And I love it that the weather got a little bit warmer this weekend. You know, uh, this last week I was just thinking, man, I know what's coming, what's coming. But, uh, but I, I, I'm glad fall. We actually had some fall weather. Um, uh, John chapter 17, the title of the message today is the prayer. Say the prayer. And the message is not about prayer, but it's the prayer. Uh, and, and the reason why is that we're going to look at a prayer that Jesus prayed. A prayer that Jesus prayed concerning you and I. Okay? Jesus prayed a prayer about you. Look at the neighbor and just tell him, hey, this was about you. Okay, John 17, I'm beginning in verse 13. In fact, um, okay, verse 13, he says, Now, we're picking up in the middle of the prayer. The entire John chapter 17 is the whole chapter is the prayer that Jesus prayed right before his crucifixion. Now, uh, picking up in verse 13, I read from New Living Translation. It says, Now, I am coming to you, Jesus talking to God. I have told them, referring to the disciples, many things while I was with them in this world that they will be filled with joy. I have given you them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. As I am not asking you to take them out of the world but I keep but to keep them safe in the, from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them Holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will ever believe in me through their message. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, We thank you for the word of God. We ask that the word will come into our hearts and find us to be receptive, O God, that the word may accomplish in our lives that which you send it to accomplish today. Let our ears, O God, hear what the Spirit is saying to this church. In in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. As I said earlier, this was a prayer that Jesus prayed. And he's praying in front of his disciples, and that's why they're able to write so clearly what his prayer was. And I think Jesus prayed all the time. If you go to the Bible, you would see that if you look through the gospel, Jesus prayed all the time. You hear stories of where, well, they were sitting with Jesus, and after he did this and that, that, he went out and departed into a secret place, and he went to pray. And uh, all the time he prayed. And there are many prayers that are listed, but this one was listed in details what his prayer was. And I thought that it was very good for us to look at uh, because when, when someone prays a heartfelt prayer, okay, there's a prayer that you pray. It's like, yeah, let's pray for the food. God, thank you. Thank, you know, some have narrated. But there's, when someone prays a heartfelt prayer, you can really see what is in their heart. You can really feel, you can really connect with what was in his heart. And here Jesus is revealing to his disciples the essence, this is before he accomplishes. In fact, he says he's already done with what he came to do now. He was just going to carry out the work of the cross from here on out. And he prays for his disciples. And I want to pick out a few things. And we could examine and break down this prayer over and over. But I, the thing that, I, that, that stands out to me is that he talks about, now I am coming to you, talking to the Lord, saying that I, I have told them many things while I was here with them. 
But why did I tell him all these things? He says, because I want them to be filled with joy. Do you have joy in your life? Jesus wants you to have joy. He doesn't want you to just have any joy. He wants you to be filled with joy. He says that I am asking this to you, Lord. I have given them your word. He says, here's a gift. You have a Bible. Could you lift it up? Can I see it? He says, I've given you a word. This is a gift from God. Because in this word, he says, this is where their joy will be full. Is when they find the truth of the word. He says, I have uh, given them the word. And here's what happens when they get the truth of the word. And we should never be surprised if this happens to you. Uh, He says that because they are not of the world, that the world hates them because they do not belong to the world. Can I just make a statement? Quit trying to please the world. Quit trying to please people. You will drive yourself crazy because the very time when someone tells you, oh, well, if you do this, and you start changing your life because of what people will think or people would say. You will run yourself miserable because they'll forget, because they'll demand something else from you. And you will never meet people's expectation. But here's what will happen. If you put your emphasis and your, health and your strength and your focus on pleasing Him, He will make all the right people be in your life. And you will please some people, but that's not the driving force. Because He's saying, hey, listen. Don't be naive about this. When you start walking with God, when you start walking in the truth, there are some people that will hate you because you are not of the world. It's not the people, it's the enemy that wants to bring fear in your life. But Jesus is praying. And he says, he says that I, I am not asking you that you take them out of this world. Now think about that. His purpose and his purpose in yours and my life will be fulfilled here. We have a mission. Come on, look at the passage and say, I have a mission. Have you ever fe- felt sometimes like, man, I wish I could just escape this thing. It's just getting so bad. What is the world going to look like for our kids and our grandkids? And I, and I, I want it to end. And Jesus says, I'm not asking that. I'm not asking for you to take him out of the world. But here's what I'm asking, Father, that you will keep them safe from who? The evil one. I know, and you know this, That when Jesus prays, God answers. Whenever he asks the Father, no matter what it was, he asks and it happened. Whether it's food, whether it's money, whether it's healing, whatever Jesus asked the Father, he did. Raising people from the dead, he did. And Jesus prays this. He says he's praying that we will be safe from the enemy. Sometimes we get intimidated by the enemy. And he is good at it. How many feel sometimes the enemy just wants to destroy your life? Guess what? He wants to. How many feel like the enemy just wants you to be frustrated all the time? He wants to. Because the Bible says the enemy comes to still kill and to destroy. But Jesus came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. It is his purpose. And God says it doesn't matter how hard he tries. God's going to keep us safe from the enemy. He says that no weapon fashioned against you and I is going to be able to prosper. I pray, Lord, that you will keep them safe from the evil one who wants to destroy and to make their lives miserable. His prayer is that I want their lives to be filled with 
joy. And therefore, I'm giving them my word so that they can be filled with joy. So they go on and they do not... So he says that they do not belong to the world. And I do not want them to take him out of the world, but I want you to make him holy by your truth. I make him holy by your truth. Teach them the word, which is truth. Teach them the word, which is truth. Teach them the word, which is truth. There are a lot of opinions about everything imaginable on the earth. There are a lot of thoughts, some creative, some seem very wonderful. But I tell you, what we need is not the opinion or the sophistication of men. What we need is the word, which is the truth. Says, teach him the word, which is the truth. Teach him Jesus, because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except by me. If they know the truth, okay, If they know the truth, just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Because it is the differences, us knowing the truth. You see, Jesus was praying and asking the Father. He repeats about the word. He repeats about the truth. He says, here, because I have a mission for them. You sent me, and I'm sending them. Just as you sent me, I am sending them. Don't take him out of the world. I came to the world. I accomplished my mission. They have their mission to accomplish. So don't take him out of the world. Protect him from the evil one. But I want you to teach him the word, which is the truth. I don't care what is going on in your life. I don't, and I guess that sounds bad. No. <laughs> See, I got to be political correct. It does not matter. That's better, isn't it? And all HR people say amen. amen. It does not matter what is going on in your life. What the circumstances may look like. Whether it's the situations that you find yourself in seem impossible. And maybe they are impossible. But it does not matter what the circumstance is. What matters is the word. What does the word of God say about your situation? When you know the truth, the Bible says they shall know the truth and the truth shall set them free. What does that mean? What does the truth of God say about your health? He says that uh, he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by his stripes, uh, I am healed. And I can believe that. That's what the word of the Lord says. He says that I am more than a conqueror through Christ who gives me strength, that I can do all things through all, through Christ who lives inside of me. Are you worried about money lately? Is your bank account hurting? Do you have bills that you don't want to face, you don't even want to open them? That might be what the circumstance is. But the truth is, is our God is Jehovah Jireh. He, he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He, like David would say that I was young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken, never see a king begging for bread. Amen. That I can trust in the Lord at all times. That God makes a way where there seems to be no way. That there is nothing that is impossible with God. Amen. Nothing. That we can believe in the word of God regardless of our present circumstance. So that's why Jesus is begging and says, 
I want you, Lord, to teach them my word. Give them your word. Because when they know your word, he knows. He knows this. That when we know the word, not, not head knowledge, but the heart knowledge, that when we are persuaded of the truth in the word, that nothing can shake us. The Bible says that the righteous are as bold as the lion. It says, just as the mountains surround the city of Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds the righteous. That nothing is it, nothing can destroy you. It says that you can be hard-pressed, but you will never gonna get crushed. You can be persecuted, but you're never ever abandoned. That you can be, you can be, you can be shaken, you can be tried, but eventually you are on the winning team because God is on our side. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Are you on his team? Are you in his word? There is power in the word of God. And it's a gift that Jesus has given us. It's a gift. So that we can look at our situation and face it head on. Like what Pastor Dustin says, that he that the son has set free is free indeed. Maybe you are tormented by your past. Your past keeps coming to you. Your past, you, you, just the moment you want to take a step further, you're reminded again of your failures in the past. And they kept creeping in. The Bible says that as far as the east is from the west, so has he forgiven us all of our sins. That, that he takes our sins and he throws them into the sea of forgetfulness where he remembers them no more. The blood of Jesus is sufficient. If you apply it in your sins, they are done. He says it is finished. Stop moving on. That you are forgiven. You are free. You are righteous. Not because of your work, but you're righteous because of the cross. The enemy uses that. To intimidate people and you cannot take a step. You take one step forward, two step backwards. You take one step forward. He says, oh, hey, remember this. The blood of Jesus is sufficient to take care of our sin in the past, our present sin, and even in the future. If you stumble again, blood of Jesus is sufficient to bring you back to freedom. For it says a righteous man, though he may fall seven times, he shall rise up again in Jesus' name. Jesus says, I want you to teach him my word. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I may see not against you. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Your word, the entrance of your word brings life. It brings life. It brings life. We need to keep the word of God, treasure the word of God. Look at the word of God. Look at your situation. Face it alone. I say, I feel bad. I'm coughing like crazy, but I believe the blood of Jesus is sufficient to make me well. Amen. Because Jesus knew that he had an assignment. Because what he could have done after he did the work on the cross, he could have taken all those that were his and just ended this thing and say, hey, it's over, it's finished. But he says, Lord, do not take him out of the world. I need them there. But while they're there, I want you, Lord, to protect them from the evil one who wants to destroy them. But the thing that's going to keep them from the evil one is the word of God. Living from the word of God. Being transformed by the word of God. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. How you get the right? Your mind renewed is through the word of God. Because you are decoding what has been planted for so many years, a way of thinking. New Living Translation says, allow God to transform your life by changing the way you think. I become, I start thinking about what does Jesus think about situation. And so I'm deprogramming my mind and aligning myself 
with the word of God because heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will always stand. Everything that you ever know in present as it is, it will ever always change, but the word of God is unchanging. So I can count on that and stand on this. Now, what is the mission? The mission, Jesus spells it out. We've been talking about this a lot. Matthew 28, he says that, I am going, Jesus said, and, and, and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So going back to John chapter 17, he says, when they understand my word, then they can fulfill the mission that I have for them. While they are still in this world, while the enemies try to discourage them, while the enemy tries to instill fear in their lives, that just as you sent me, Father, to the world to accomplish my mission, and I got done everything that you assigned me to do, and I'm about to ready, I'm praying for these disciples standing here with me, but not just them, but all the other disciples, that through the word that they preach, that they will come to Jesus. I want these same truths for them. Can I make a statement? What Jesus was praying for those 12 that were standing by him, he's praying for us now. The desires that he had for them, he has for us now. The power and the authority that he imparted on them, he's imparting on us now. The church that was alive then, that church is still alive and well now. And if we jump into his word, I tell you, the church is unstoppable because the Bible says that I am building my church and even the gates of hell will not be able to withstand it. It cannot come against it. It is the church that Jesus is building. It is strong, it is mighty, it is powerful. And when he comes, it will be a glorious church. Not a weak church, it's a glorious church that is coming for, and that's the church I want to be a part of, a church that is alive. He's not coming to a weak church. Just because you don't always see it around you. I know a few weeks ago I mentioned this, how the statistics are showing how Christianity is declining in America. But let me tell you, it's not declining in the world. God is still moving. God is moving in places like China and the underground church. They don't even have big churches like we do. They have just small groups. And people are getting saved. People are getting baptized. People are getting filled with the Holy Spirit. God is doing some marvelous work around the world. Two weeks ago, I spent a a whole week with a bunch of missionary pastors that are planting churches all over the world. And I was talking to this pastor, Pastor Frank Kofi from Ghana. And he was a missionary in Jamaica, planted a church there. Now he's in Ghana planting a new church. But he's in a part of Ghana where there are many Muslims. And he's leading many Muslims to the Lord. And I was very curious because I know in Lincoln there are many, many Muslims moving to this city. I said, how are you winning them to the Lord? Because they are very staunch. How do you get them to the Lord? He says, you know, I never invite them to church. Church, the building. But I invite them to small group. They'll come to your house but they don't come to the church building because that will label them. And he says, you know, I pray for him. He says, a Muslim will never deny a prayer. If they're sick and you said, can I pray for you? They'll say yes. And he'll pray for them. And guess what? <laughs> what the word says when you go out and you lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Things happen when we pray. Do you know that Jesus 
Most of the miracles that he did, he did not do it in the temple and in the synagogue. Most of the miracles that he did, he did them in the marketplace, in people's homes, around the streets, around the corner. Most of the miracles that you read in the New Testament did not happen in the temple. He taught the word of God in the temple, in the synagogues where he was. He taught the word of God there, debated with the scholars of the law. But most of his miracles happened in people's arms and in streets. I want to submit to you something very, that I am so compelled. The more I look at this, I see what, why, where the miracles went. Because if you read most of the times, the scriptures that relate to miracles and power and all that, it actually is a result of people going out and witnessing. Because it takes a different thing to heal or to, uh, a non-believer than it does for a believer. There's faith and there's anointing. In the world, in the street, in your neighborhood, at work, whatever you are out there, guess what needs miracles? Anointing. Anointing. Because I'll be with you. Trust me. Pray. Lay hands. Trust me. Pray. You know, anointing. The only faith you need is just the little faith to believe that you're anointed. That's when he says, if you have faith as little as a master's seed, you can tell to speak to this mountain and tell him to be thou removed, be thou cast into the middle of the sea. But in the church, it's in James he says, the prayer of faith shall heal the sick. The prayer of faith, when it's exercised in agreement, so in the church, if I'm praying with Jay here and we're praying, his faith and my faith have to be lined up. That when two or three are gathered in my name, whatever they pray in agreement together, it shall be done. So if I'm praying and say, man, oh boy, Jay. And in my heart I'm thinking, Jay, that's a big thing you're dealing with. I don't know what will happen or not. And I'm just racing in my head. I'm saying, I'm praying the prayer of faith. But in my head, I'm like, oh boy, he's really got it, man. I, I really hope that God, uh, I really do hope God that, uh, that something happens. And then nothing happens. Guess what? You are afraid to pray when you go out. Puts a little seed of doubt there. But God, the principles that work in the world are different than the ones that work in the church. See, Jesus went to his own people, the Bible says. He had gone to all the different places. He had preached. He had done some phenomenal miracles. Feeding the 5,000, doing all sorts of things. And the Bible says, and he went to his hometown. And that day, Jesus did not do many miracles because of their unbelief. The people of God, the people that should have known the word of God, the people that should have understood the prophecies concerning the Messiah, the people that should have known that the Messiah should have come from Nazareth. These things had been prophesied not by one prophet time and time again. The people that knew and understood the word are the ones that were hardest for Jesus to reach. And because of their unbelief, says that that day Jesus did not do many miracles. They even hindered the Lord from doing miracles. But when he went to the drunks and the people on the street, and when they prayed, man, mirror things were happening. He says, I've given you authority. I know we talked a few weeks ago about, um, we've been talking about missions, and mission why we are so passionate as a church concerning missions. 
is because of this great commission. It's part of the mission that wants you to go into the whole world and make disciples. I don't believe that like after we preach everybody in Lincoln uh, with the light of Christ, that's when we have to go to the next town or the next city. No, it's that all these things have, have to be happening at the same time. While we are praising God in Lincoln and reaching our city, that we can be planting a church in Crete and, and moving to Kenya and moving to South America, Guatemala, who knows where. And some of you, maybe the Lord would use you to go on a team that would go on a church. You have never, never even considered it. When pastor said that, you think, oh yeah, he's thinking about the other guy. But watch out. God might surprise you. I tell you, I'm standing in here. God surprised me. I never once, I never set out to be a pastor. I've said that before. And then never set out to be a pastor in Lincoln, Nebraska. Never in my dreams. Never even thought about it. Lincoln, where? But you know, God, the Bible says that many of the plans that are in a man's heart. But God's purpose prevails. And you might be surprised thinking, oh, me? Oh, Jesus, God. No. God, I love Pastor Chris's statement that says God, about the God chosen me qualified. How does it go? God does not call the equipped, but he equips the called. When you recognize that you are called, you don't have to be equipped. He will equip you. You might not meet the standard or the qualification, but God is the one who validates you. God is the one who gives you all that you need. He says, I will be with you. I may not know anything. But if I know God is with me, I'm happy. I may not understand my plight, but if I know God is on my side, I can, I can go to bed and actually sleep like a baby because I know that he's on my side. I don't have to seek answers. and know all the answers. doesn't matter. What matters is, am I in God's will? Is God on my side? Or maybe I should say this, am I on God's side? Because sometimes we try to take our will, and we want God to bless what we want. We want God to take, hey, God, here's the thing. Could you put a stamp on it and just approve it? Where God says, no, no, no. Here's what I have for you. Because when you walk in my plans, you're going to be more fulfilled than even the plans that you have for yourself. I know I always start this every day, that God is good. And you all yell, And all the time, his plan for your life are good. He has good intentions for you. He says, I know the plans that I have concerning you. They're plans to prosper you. They're not to harm you at all. They're to give you a future and to give you a hope. You are better off always to do what God wants of you. Even though sometimes it might require sacrifice. But at the end, you still win. You still win. So we talked about missions, and that's why we were so involved in missions. And, you know, I was so excited two weeks ago before I was gone. I said, hey, let's fill out our mission faith promise for this, uh, this next six months, and it's going to be the biggest we've done in a long time. Let's go ahead and, and just pledge by faith, and let's do it, and I will announce it to you, and we'll all go, woo, that is awesome. Well, we went to the office and calculated it. Our goal is 4000 and it's $1,500. I thought, wow. What a great preacher am I. 
And it's not that people did not give generously. I said, and I asked, how many people contributed? 18. 18. One, eight. So those 18 really gave generously. You know what we do oftentimes? And sometimes I even wonder if we should scrap the announcement altogether. Because sometimes you think in a greater body, someone else will do it. Okay, we need to clean the church. Well, someone's always going to clean the church. Guess what? That someone is you. I believe that if we all participated, it would be absolutely marvelous what God can do in us and through us. He says when it's Psalm 33 talks about the blessing of unity. And so I'm, I'm challenging you again. If you haven't given to mission, I want you to, you need to get your mission faith pledge today. Write it down on a note. Don't even have the form with you. Write it down. Stick it in the offering today. In fact, write it down right now if you can, if you already know the amount. And we will announce it because there's a lot that's happening. Maybe we don't always have the time to explain everything that we are doing through mission. Hey, Travis, do you have that video that I wanted to show? This video, I want to tell you, this is the work going on in Kenya and the, at Basket of Hope. And I met with Sharon and Howard Hester, who are the missionaries that do the work down there. And they were uh, in town for just a little bit on their way out. And they shared with me that one of the things that they built this year was a baptismal tank. And they're out in a place where it's a very remote area and 90% Muslim in that region of Kenya, very close to Somalia. And uh, he says, you know, i got to show you something really awesome. We got the baptismal tank done. And the day, the day after we got it done, we had the most amazing service going on. I thought I'd say 28 people got baptized there this year. It was so awesome. I want you to watch it. Coming to the service. This is just two weeks ago. That's Bob Reed. He's one of the guys that we work with at Basket of Hope. Amen. That's part, that's just a smidgen of where our mission goes. I can tell you story after story of what a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, in the middle of the country, is doing. Don't belittle what you're doing. When we go to heaven, it's going to be, I think, I'm going to be absolutely amazed. But the kingdom of God is advancing. He says, go. And what you do, you mark him by baptism. Some of you haven't even been baptized yourself. You haven't even known. We're going to have baptism next uh, Sunday. We're going to have baptism. If you need bat- to be baptized, you need to come to we contact the church for this weekend. And we're going to get baptized. 
But the Lord is doing some marvelous things around the world with orphans and even in our own city. And I believe that the best is yet to come. Be faithful. Be faithful. Don't let the enemy lie to you and think, oh, I don't have enough. Give in faith and watch what God will do. So in closing, I'm going to give you just three things that makes us, that's going to make this thing whole, all make sense to you. It would empower you. What's that I want to draw out through this whole series of, of the Great Commission to be all that you can be in Christ and be able to be a participator of the Great Commission. Number one is authority. The second word is goodness. And the third one is simplicity. Authority. Jesus said that as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons freely. You have received freely here. See, God has given us authority. When he talks about the Great Commission, that's where the authority of the believer is. The authority is in witnessing. The authority is in reaching the Lord. The authority of God is when the believer is exercising the work of the great commission of making disciples, not just in our city. That's when the power of God backs up what we do. See, the Bible says that Jesus went about everywhere. He went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the enemy, for God was with him. Great Commission says, Lord, when you do this, I am with you <laughs> till the very end. See the coalition there? He went about doing good. Why? Because God was with him. God promises to be with us always when we are being a light in the darkness, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. When we let our light shine through the darkness, we get intimidated sometimes because we think we're going to be asked a question that we're going to be unable to answer. But what would they ask me a difficult question? It really is not about the difficult question. It's not about even how creative you are with words. It's about the power of God. And here he says, I'm going to back you up. One of the most underutilized witnessing tools that we have is prayer. Everybody say prayer. And prayer really is about blessing. When you're praying for people in need, it's about blessing. You tell people, bless you when they sneeze. But how about just praying for somebody? Have you ever talked to somebody that they're telling you, open up, opening up their life to you, and they're telling you what they're dealing with? And you say, hey, I'll pray for you. And never do it. Not because you didn't mean to. You just you get distracted. You have all the... How about just think, can I ask you, can I pray for you? Don't even invite them to church. Just pray for them. How about just that? Are you sick? Is it okay if I pray for you? 99% of the time, they'll say yes. I remember doing um, <clears throat> an evangelistic seminar once when I was a young person. And we were going to go out to witness to a neighborhood. And they taught on this. And they said, you know, all you got to do is pray for people. And they said, people will always receive prayer. You could come in with their, your theology and try to impress them with your knowledge. Hey, by the way, have you ever read Mark? Who's Mark? They don't care about Mark. They really don't. They don't care about how much you know until they know how much you 
Because when you're praying for them, just because you're concerned for their situation and you're standing with them, they know you care about them. Not just you want to convert them to, to your religion. They will be defensive. Are you kidding me? I would have been, and I was, when I was a, before I came to Christ. And you bet they would too. But this said, love. I told you about that Pastor Frank Kofi. He says, he just prayed for people. And you know, he told me the funniest thing before he came to the conference that we met. There's this Muslim man that has come to his house, a small group, several times. And he prayed for the guy and God answered. Because he says, oh, can I pray for you? What do you need? He said, I pray for a job. And he prayed for the guy and he got a job. That's like the blind man. You can argue all you want about whether he's a son of God or whatever. I do know one thing. So I couldn't see before I met the guy, and now I do see. Because they all got in some theological army. He didn't care what, how, how good they were, how, what the scriptures really said. He just knew I was blind, and now I see. And don't be surprised when you pray for somebody and actually God answers the prayer and someone gets it, do not be surprised. God wants to do this. He wants to use us as vessels. And you know what happens when you pray for someone out there and, and the miracle happens? Your faith gets built up and now when you go to the church and say, hey, who wants prayer? I'm going to pray for you because I know God answers prayer. But out there, it's the anointing. In here is faith. So you go pray an anointed prayer. Someone gets healed instantly and your faith gets built up. So when you get to the house of the Lord, you have faith. And you can agree with a brother or a sister and you can see God come in the midst of your situation. His authority backs you up. It's not about you. It's not about how qualified you are. It's not about how good you are about the Bible. It's just about you being obedient to his word and saying, hey, I shall pray for the sick. I shall lay hands on the sick and they shall repray. I pray for people, just bless people. Guess what? When they get a miracle, they won't be asking. You won't be inviting them to church and say, hey, what church do you go to? Can I come this Sunday? How about people do that to me? Not because I ask them to come and it's harder when you are a pastor because well, you just want people to go to your church. That's what they're thinking. So, but I pray for people. They say, hey, Oh, can we come to your church? What time does... Why? Because God did something for them. God did something for them. I'm not different than you. Neither was Paul or James or any of the founders of the Bible. God wants to use you just as much as he uses all of us. Second is goodness. It is the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel is... The good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the of Jesus. One more time. The gospel is the of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we approach the gospel already. We go on the defense, trying to justify why we believe like we believe. We try to justify why I'm a little weird, but. But it's not that weird as you think. I think I'm religious. And we approach it already. We have defenses in our hearts. And we are apologetic before we need to be apologetic. 
And we become so good at stating very clearly what we are against. And not that good at exhibiting what we are about. It is the good news. It's not the bad news of God, the thunder, bolting God. It's the good news. I know I'm a sinner, and that's why I need Christ. Oh, how dare you call me a sinner? Well, I'm not a sinner. Besides, nobody's perfect. Exactly. But here's the good news. God knows that already. And that's why Christ came. That no matter how bad you have been, no matter how trouble, what a troublemaker you be, no matter what family you came from, no matter what your background was, it is the good news that brings life that brings newness of life, that turns a sinner into a saint, that turns a, a, a depressed person into a victor, that turns somebody that was hopeless into the most joyful, most spirit-filled person in the world. Someone that was bound by spiritual uh, things, someone that was bound by addictions and heaviness of heart, and they can find freedom and become an instrument to bring freedom to others. That is the good news of the gospel. It is the power of God that brings salvation to all that who believe. It was true then, it is now, and the gospel is as powerful as it was the day Jesus died on the cross. It is still powerful today. The Bible says that we are to serve the Lord our God with gladness, not with grief. He says that if you serve Him with grief, that would be unprofitable for you. Why does he say that? It is good. It is a good news. It's not about, there's an alternative in all the things that we see. And that alternative is the message of the gospel that we have. And we need to remind ourselves again that he is a good God, but a good God who gives us the life that we don't deserve. He died the death that we should have died, and he gave us the life that we never deserved. That is the gospel. And lastly, simplicity in my closing, my first I promise, and my last closing. It, I never thought I would quote Albert Einstein when I'm preaching a sermon. But he says, if you cannot explain it to a six-year-old, you don't know nothing at all about it. It is a simple message of Jesus Christ, but it's the most powerful force on the planet. It is the most powerful force on the planet because it's the force that can transform the core of who you are. You can feed knowledge all you want. You can design anything you want to do. But the war, the truth of who you are is who you are inside and that's where the gospel is a good at. Changing you the person that you are, transforming lives and changing destiny. Those that were destined to burn in 
hell. And there is hell in the Bible. There is a lake of fire in the Bible. There's a place where people who do not know God will go. But Jesus, that is not God's will. That is not God's desire. That's not God's plan. He says, I do not wish that anyone should perish, but all may come to the knowledge of the Son of God. And He wants to give us eternal life in Jesus Christ. He says, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever shall believe in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That is a simple, the good, and the powerful message of Jesus Christ. It is alive today. Oftentimes, people just want people, someone to lead them to the Lord. I can tell you how many times I've had conversation with people who didn't even have a, a theological discussion. I just asked them, did anybody, have you ever accepted Christ into your life? Have you ever repented? Have you ever, is they go, well, you know, as a matter of fact, I never have done that. Oh, yeah, I've gone to church all my life, but I've never made a commitment for Jesus. Why? Did they not get the Bible? No, they got taught the Bible. Did they not attend? No, they did. They did all the classes. But they never came to a place of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Why? No one led them to. No one did. No one ever bothered. Preach a good sermon. Yeah. Got a good teaching class. Yeah. I did it. Never came to a point. And sometimes we have mindless conversations with people. We go where? Everywhere. Da 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 da. Never give people an opportunity. At least give them a chance and they say, No, I don't want that in my life. And don't be shocked when they say, Oh, I do. Then you better be ready. Because oftentimes we don't even think for a moment that they'll say yes. Am I preaching the choir here? Got really quiet. I remember having a conversation with a good friend of mine. And he's telling me about all how he, he spent all this time with his, someone, that, someone that he admired, that he had worked with for many years, that he, this guy was such a, such a key person in his life that had molded so many qualities or good qualities in life, and he admired this man. He said, oh, that is so awesome. Is he, is he saved? You know, I don't know. I don't know. It's funny that you ask. I've known him all this time, and I don't even know that he's saved. And I think that story can be repeated many, many times over. I've told you that I'm a basketball junkie. But not that much of a junkie because I don't watch the regular season, just a little bit. But this week the NBA opened and there was a game. My team is San Antonio Spurs. And I thought, man, the sports feeds. I'm like, wow, Kawhi Leonard, he had the best block of all times. Man, he blocked Kevin Durant. He was a monster. And every feed is just trying to say, man, I want to see this. I looked at and it was an absolutely phenomenal block. But guess what? The Spurs lost. They lost the game. Who cares that you dunked the basketball? Who cares that you blocked? The goal was to win the game. And they lost the game. And I think sometimes we do that as Christians. We might even go to church and have a good service. But if people are not saved, if people don't come to Christ, if people don't repent and become new preachers in Christ, we lost the game. City Church, we can't lose any longer. There are many people in Lincoln that need to win the game. There are many people that need to enter the kingdom where Jesus will say, well done, 
thou good and faithful servant. Welcome into the joy of the kingdom. That's the words I want to hear. And I think we can all hear those words because we were faithful in our time and in our generation. Let's stand up and worship him. Did you receive the word of God today? Come on, give him praise. Give him honor. Give him, you can clap to the Lord, not to me, and give him praise. I want to pray for you. I'm going to take communion here after I pray, but I want to pray that the word of God will be cemented in us, that we can, we can have fun with this. It doesn't have to be hard. It's the good news. It's simple. But the authority of God backs us every single time because it's not our word, it's his word. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that you are a good father. You are a good father. You are loving. You are gracious. You are ever so faithful. That even when we are unfaithful, you remain a faithful tower. That even as we read in the scripture this morning uh, during giving, that your mercy and do us forever. That every morning you provide for us new mercies. Today is the beginning of a new month, a new day, a new month, a new week. Combination of it all. We thank you that your mercy are ever so new for us today. I pray that even as we approach the tail end of this year, let us finish stronger in you than we even began. Let our lives be so transformed by your life that we finish high. We finish stronger. We finish filled. We finish faithful. We finish as more than conquerors in our life. I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon your church right now. If you just need to receive anointing, you can raise your hand and just receive. I feel like the Lord is just pouring an anointing right now. I see it's like a jar of oil being poured over this uh, <clears throat> sanctuary right now. And the Lord is pouring out a new oil right now over your head. He's pouring a new oil of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Because it's not by might, it is not by power. But it is by my spirit, says the Lord Most High. And I pray right now that you will pour out your spirit and your anointing on your people. That irrespective of what the past has been, that today we find newness of life in the blood of Jesus. In the power of your anointing, God, I pray in the name of Jesus. Just receive the oil. God is pouring out an oil. He's pouring out. I just see a bowl. A bowl being poured on your head. Running down, running down, running down to your garments. Running down in the name of Jesus. Freshness of life. Thank you, Lord. In that attitude of prayer, I want to pray just one more prayer. Everybody with every eye closed, every head bowed in the presence of God. Maybe you've heard my message and God's speaking to you right now even and you don't even recognize it's God. But your life, you haven't been serving God. You've never given Jesus your heart. You've never become a born again Christian. You've never accepted him into your life. Today is the day he wants to come into your life. He wants to give you brand new life today. If that's you, you say, Pastor Solo, I want to respond to Jesus. I want a new life in Christ. I want you to raise your hand right now. I have my eyes open. I'm watching because I want to pray a special prayer for you. And maybe you've served God before. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Thank you. I see it. Anybody else? Thank you. You can put your hand down. I see it. Thank you. God bless you. Anybody else? Maybe you've served God before, but right now you're not walking with him and you just want to recommit your life again to God, to Jesus who loves you. I want you to show me your hand one more time. I'm going to pray 
a special prayer for you. Thank you, ma'am. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Anybody else? In fact, I'm going to do a collective prayer together. Let's just pray with these that raise their hand. And say, Dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. I come to you today. I come to you today. Just as I am. Just as I am. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your word. I receive your word. I receive your word. I believe. I believe. That you died on the cross. That you died on the cross. For my sins. For my sins. I know that I am a sinner. I know that I am a sinner. But today I repent of my sins. But today I repent of my sins. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to forgive me. And come into my life. And come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Lord. And my Savior. And my Savior. I will live for you. I will live for you. From this day forward. From this day forward. To the rest of my life. For the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You can give God praise by a clap offering, a shout offering.